Yeah, I think it's really important for for men to start paying attention to um, everything about themselves uh, because we've been fed a bill of goods that is no longer any good. You know, some of our old right. ideals and, and the old ways of doing things are null and void now because we're living in a completely different time. You know, the world is evolving and, you know, uh, it's evolving so fast that we have to actually work to keep up with it. And by going to these different, uh, you know, podcasts or books or whatever it is, you know, whatever medium or content that you're out there um, consuming, trying to, you know, make it so you have better relationships with the people around you, your communication is better with, with your loved ones. Um, if you're having issues with relationships, whether it's being monogamous or, you know, how you treat the opposite sex, um, you know, a lot of these things and these uh, loops were created when we were younger and how we, you know, grew up and what we saw in our own homes. And so if we're not taking, you know, really good care in trying to evaluate our lives. And, you know, I used to do this just on a, on a failed relationship basis where I would go, okay, well, you know, time to, uh, let, let's get back to the drawing board and see what the problem is. But you know what? It has to go further than that. You can't just do it once in a while. It's not like you're jump starting a car. It's a continual thing, man. It's a the thing that you have to reflect upon every day. When you come home at the end of the day, you're, you know, and you're getting ready to go to bed, you reflect back on the end of the day and say, Hey man, you know, was I a good person today? Was I, you know, did I take care of everything that I needed to do? Um, you know, where did I, where did I fall short? Uh, how could I have been a better person? Could I have been more polite? Could I have not been as mean? Can I, you know what I mean? There's all kinds of things that you, that we need to be paying attention to, to be the best people that we possibly can. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. I'm your host, Sean Dustin. This is your first time. Welcome. And if you're returning, welcome back. This podcast is about bottoms and life struggles and how we get through them. And also just my interests, things that interest me. I hear, I see something, I hear something online or I hear somebody's story. I'll reach out to them and I'll uh, try and get them on the show. So a little bit of an update. I've been MIA for probably a couple months. As you all know, I uh, was trying to get elected uh, as a business agent in my union, and I lost. Yeah, that was uh, pretty humbling, to say the least. I've uh, never really put that much effort into something in my life and come up short. So it was definitely a, uh, a learning experience for me. I'm not, I wasn't used to that. Uh, I've, I've put less effort into other things and come ahead or, or, or won or gotten my way. You know, usually I, uh, I guess in the past I've used manipulation, uh, to get some things that I've wanted. And, you know, this time I, I actually, you know, went about it the right way. You know, did all the the right things and uh, still came up short, and uh, yeah, that was uh, definitely a learning experience. The person that beat me actually did manipulate people to win. So uh, go figure. You know, this is I guess this is politics at the end of the day. Whether it's you know federal, state, you know union, uh, the game is is always going to be the same. You know, if you if you play to people's complaints and, 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 you know, deceive and, and be deceptive, you know, you probably got a good chance of, uh, uh, swaying people. So like I said, it was a, uh, a learning experience and I definitely know what to do the next time around. Uh, this week or this month, uh, we have Dennis Sumlin. He is the host of the core confidence life podcast uh, he's also uh, really interesting. It was a good uh, a good interview. 
I enjoyed talking to him and, uh, you know, there was a, a couple of revelations that were made in this podcast for myself. You know, you have to take a listen and, uh, maybe, you know, you'll get as much out of it as I did. Either way, I'm back on track now. I've got 10 more episodes to, uh, to edit and get through before I start recording again. And, uh, yeah. So, you know, hopefully you, uh, haven't strayed too far away. I know that consistency, uh, is definitely a key in podcasting and social media. So, uh, and I definitely haven't been very consistent, but it is what it is. Uh, you know, I, I pay for all this stuff myself. I do all the work myself and, uh, you know, I, I get to it when I can. So without further ado, let's, uh, get to Dennis. What's up? Welcome to the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. I'm your host, Sean Dustin. Today, I'm talking to Dennis Sumlin. He is the host of the Core Confidence Life podcast, and he's also a life coach. Uh, He's built his business and his philosophy on confidence and believing in himself and everything that's associated with that. So now I'm going to introduce Dennis. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Glad to have you, man. Glad you could make it. So why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and what you've experienced uh, in your um, your travels and your journey to get to the work, to the point to where you're at right now. All right. Well, sure. <clears throat> Just briefly, you know, um, <clears throat> as you said, I host the podcast, The Core Confidence Life, and it is a part of the larger business, Core Confidence Life. I am a talent uh promotion, a developer, and coach. And so a lot of my podcast and the name of my business is built off of the idea of building core self-confidence. And so as a men's confidence coach, this is kind of, you know, the, the genesis of my business. And a lot of coaches often build their businesses upon their personal experiences. And so I, my personal experience in building a core self-confidence in myself, um, understanding who I am as a man and my own identity and moving through that, trying to figure out, you know, manhood and the direction I want to go um, while dealing with stigmas around different parts of who I am. And that led me to a lot of deep self uh, exploration, deep studies on personal development and spirituality and the, the whole, the whole thing. So I spent a lot of my earlier years, you know, looking for my own identity since I didn't have strong male role models and anyone really guiding me in any particular direction. Kind of had to struggle through that myself. Um, I'm sure we'll get into more details about the specifics. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I can totally relate. Um, you know, finding, I think that a lot of men growing up, uh, my generation and some of the, uh, you know, where, where you have, oh, what are, what are our parents called the baby boomers and, and below, um, you know, that, that kind of confidence that I was taught was sort of a masculine a masculine type of, of confidence, which really isn't confidence at all. It, it borderlined, um, like, you know, uh, bullying, uh, tactics and, and, and the whatnot. Yeah, a- absolutely. And, you know, this, this, um, complex, this, this imaginary complex on what makes a man impacts a lot of, of men in a negative way because they feel they have to live up to that. And I, and I've gone through that. You know, because, um, you know, one, I have a disability, you know, I'm, I'm blind, right? And then, you know, I, like I said, I didn't really have a strong male role model growing up in my teen years. Um, so all I had to do, all I had, all references I had to what a man was, was what everybody else was saying, you know, what was on TV, um, what, you know, the other kids were saying. And being that I had this disability growing up, I didn't really have a whole lot of friends my age. So, you know, I ended up just kind of being a lot of, a lot of uh, solo time, doing a lot of creative solo events. I did a lot of, um, looking at news and politics. I got into news and politics early because I didn't really have a lot of friends to play with. <laughs> so, um, and I was looking at the world around me to figure out what 
what's this all about? What's manhood all about? And I ended up absorbing all kinds of stigma. A man is supposed to be this. A man is supposed to be that. And a man is supposed. And so anytime I didn't have these qualities, it would, you know, kind of, uh, make me feel bad. Like I didn't belong. Like I really wasn't a real man if I didn't have these long lists of qualities on top of which, you know, um, being disabled, they kind of, a lot of people kind of discount your manhood in the first place. So I had all these things on me to have to figure that out. And so I kind of always say like life for me has been trial and error. Yeah. I, I, you know, but that's just life in, in general. Most people just don't understand that, you know, it, it, it just, sometimes it works out for people and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you have to work harder than other people. And sometimes you don't, sometimes you get lucky and sometimes you just, you get the shit into the stick. I mean, you know, I, I think that, um, I'm a, I'm a minority myself, but I mean, when you listen to me, you don't, you don't really, you don't hear that I'm Hispanic. I mean, I'm 69% and then uh, European and then like, I guess 19% or whatever the percentage is uh, uh, Hispanic or, or American or Indian from Mexico from the 23 and me uh, deal that I did. But mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I don't, I mean, I felt it a little bit growing up, um, you know, cause I grew up in a majority of white neighborhood, but I did, there were other races in my, in my neighborhood. But so I just, you know, I, I, were you um, were you blind? Uh, did you grow up blind, or did that happen later on in life? Actually, um, well, I was actually born. I was born blind out of one eye when I was born. So I actually, for for the first part of my childhood, I did have sight out of one eye, which was fine because effectively I was a sighted kid. Like there's certain things I couldn't see, like I couldn't see far distances. I couldn't see the blackboard, so we had. Another student used carbon paper to make sure I copied the, make sure I had the notes from the board. But on an everyday basis, as a little kid, I could see, you know, playing video games, going out with my friends, blah, blah, blah. But once I got hit 11, then, you know, I went totally blind. And then, of course, you know, I have to start all over again with, you know, how am I going to live now as a blind kid and moving into adulthood? And so, you know, it took a couple of years for me to realize that uh, society didn't see blindness the way that I did because I was never taught that disability was a minus in life. I was always shown that it was normal and that you can do everything everyone else can do. But uh, as I got older and got further out into society, I figured that a lot of society doesn't really feel that way. And even though I'm a minority myself, I'm a black man, but interestingly enough, all the stigmas thrown at me were related to the blindness and not the blackness. Okay. So, I mean, you, you kind of got a double whammy there. I mean, so you, you, you have a disability and, and you're a, uh, an African-American individual. So, I mean, I know people like to think that, you know, Oh, you know, yeah, just making an excuse this and that. But honestly, the things that are coming to light these days about how, how, um, certain uh communities in the united states have been actually purposely being oppressed when you know when you think about the stuff with uh you know the iran contra thing where they flooded the uh the the inner cities in the the poor neighborhoods with uh, crack cocaine um to fight the 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 war on communism i mean that's real stuff that actually really happened our government you know was was responsible for it, or at least the CIA. I mean, I guess they have uh, plausible deniability with the the president, but I mean, you know, our own country did that to its own population. So I don't, I don't. When people like roll their eyes when 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 uh, that's being said, I just you know shake my head because it's like, man, look, look at your history. <laughs> well, yeah, and 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 other parts of history that people don't realize is that there was a time. Um, and it's, it doesn't really go on now that we know of, but all throughout the 20th century and even before that, they were sterilizing people who were disabled so they wouldn't have any kids. Um, and even now, there are some places where if you're blind or if you don't speak any English and you're, you're in a hospital having a baby, they'll figure out a way of taking the baby away from you. This stuff actually happens. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Imagine that. Now, you know, you, you, you've gone through that. You've had, you know, these, uh, 
a tough uh, upbringing and, and trying to figure out your life through, you know, this new disability that you, that you have and explain to me how you got to being a life coach. Well, first I really needed to come to terms with who I was versus what I was being told by society. Cause like I said, I had to, uh, I was absorbing what everybody else was saying since I didn't really have a figure of my own to look up to nobody, my age or whatever. So I had to look at the news, look at the media, look at the culture and, you know, all these things that were supposedly manly, you know, the parts that weren't me, I kind of had a low self-esteem about. And so this continued. I didn't have a lot of self-worth. I didn't really believe in myself a lot, even though I was doing things that you would think somebody who believes in themselves would. Like I was, you know, I was doing voiceovers. I was doing homemade albums. I was even calling talk shows. I was already putting together like what I really wanted to do, which is, you know, performing arts and speaking. But at the same time, I didn't really believe in myself. I didn't believe I was, I don't know, man enough or nobody would like me. So it was kind of a contradiction going on. I had all this, this these things I loved doing, but at the same time, I didn't really believe in myself to really carry it all the way through. Um, and this affected relationships, this affected my lifestyle in general, kind of living impulsively, living short-sighted, because deep down inside, I really, you know, I just didn't know which way to go. I was scared of judgment. I just, you know, it was a confusing time. And I would go through bouts of depression trying to figure this stuff out. I took rejection really hard as it was a personal attack on me. Um, you know, and then, you know, there were times I was actually suicidal. I was a suicidal a few times, um, you know, over all this. Um, at some point, I, I, you know, throughout all this, I'm trying to crack the code. I'm trying to crack the code of myself. So I, this is when I went into studying all the things that I mentioned at the top, personal development, self-help. I got book after book after book and read paper after paper after paper, human sexuality. And I got into astrology. I got into, you know, holistic spirituality. I kind of moved away from the, the, the model of spirituality I was brought up with because it didn't really fit me. So I moved into a different kind of spirituality. So basically over a course of years, I was remaking myself or actually finding myself. At some point, I looked at my life and said, um, I'm not really where I thought I would be at this age. But by now we're talking about like early 30s. I'm not really where I want to be at this age. And, you know, I lived my life kind of, it was okay, but it was a little reckless, low self-esteem, didn't believe in myself, didn't didn't really have any goals I was really working towards. And so I knew I had to change that. And part of changing that was actually becoming a coach because I had to get serious about the direction I wanted to move in. Um, I had always been attracted to uh, teaching and speaking, as I said earlier, and I needed to, instead of playing around with all these things I wanted, I needed, I needed to get serious. And so that's where being a coach really started to take form is me looking for something that I had a little experience in, um, looking for something that I can identify with as a job I wanted to do or a career I wanted to do because um, I can't work for anybody else. Uh, and just start building that business because I understood what it was like to not feel manly, not feel like I'm important, not have the confidence it takes to move forward, you know, not really know myself well and move into the process of getting to know myself. And so since I know what all that's like, I thought I'd be in a good position to help, you know, other men. And so that's where it started. And of course it grew from there. Now, do you feel that, uh, cause I know what you're talking about when you say, you know, no role model, um, you know, I grew up, uh, in a, uh, a broken home. Uh, my dad, I spent, you know, maybe every other weekend with him, but I mean, not nearly enough, um, time to get that kind of, uh, male advice and, and, and role model type things that need to happen. Now, do you feel that, because I, I know I experienced the same thing, um, where I was questioning myself about everything that I was doing, like even this podcast, like, 
it, you know, I, it, I sat on it for, I was developing it for about a year and a half. And that last uh, six months was basically me talking myself out of launching it because I, I was throwing all those, those, um, things that you're talking about out at myself, like, Oh, you know, nobody wants to hear you. Who, who do you think you are? You know, why, why do you think anybody wants to hear what you have to say? And I think that's a, a, a key component of not having that role model there to constantly tell you, I mean, your mom can tell you whatever she wants, but when that male attention that you need, that you crave, that you want is not giving you the type of, of, uh, accolades, you know, that, that you need, I think that affects people because like with my daughter, every time she does something, I, I like, you did it. And she says, I did it, you know? And and it's like, she's building that confidence and she keeps, you know, moving, growing, moving, but she has somebody there who's, you know, with me or her mom, that's just, you know, giving her that encouragement the whole way. And I think that, you know, if you're, if you're missing one of those parents, then that's a, a really huge component that that's missing in, in the early upbringing of children. You know, I definitely agree. And I know I had good parents um, and they were a little older cause I was adopted. So they were a little older and my, you know, father died when I was a teenager and my mother, by the time I was moving into the young manhood, she couldn't keep up with me. She was already older and sick and, I'm 17, 18, 19, you know, you know, moving into my independence. So she, she couldn't, she couldn't keep track of me. It couldn't chase me down. So I'm essentially been on my own since 17, 18, um, just, just going at it. And, um, I think you're right though, that, um, even though I had other people that did believe in me friendship wise, I just wasn't, it just wasn't clicking. I was still young. I still didn't have that, 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 you know, that model. So, I don't know. It's definitely a long road. So what was it that clicked? Like for me, I mean, I know exactly when I changed my life and I know, um, you know, pretty much even the, the setting and every place where that, that, that switch just, just flicked, you know what I mean? And then my mindset from that point changed. Now I know what you're talking about. I know what, I know when that moment was, because, you know, everything I said was leading up to that very moment, because throughout all this time, I'm studying and I'm doing different spiritual practices. I'm exploring different this, different that. But when you're talking about the moment that it clicked, um, and for me, things click at very subtle moments. It was actually two moments where things clicked. But I'll just, I, you know, I can get into the other one, but I'll share this one. Number A number of years ago, I was the head of a small nonprofit. It had to do with uh, blind people in the performing arts. And we had done a lot of things like uh, benefit albums and scholarships. And it was a really good time I had there in that office. Um, I stepped down after being there for a number of years. Um, and for some reason, after I left that position, and you know, it was just a routine moving on. I wanted to do something different. But for some reason, after I left that position, that same night, it just it occurred to me that I don't know what's next for me. And I didn't even mean like just, well, what position am I going to serve next? I didn't know what was next for me in life because that for some reason that me leaving that position made me reflect on how, where I've been in life. And at that point, um, you know, I had a low self-esteem. I was doing short-term job after short-term job. I didn't really have a a lot of relationships at that time. I was a little, you know, just feeling a little lonely, like I didn't have all the things I really wanted in all areas of my life. And so I said, this has got to change. Like, I, I can't go on feeling this lost and like, I don't know what's next. And so something had to change. And from that moment on, I really started implementing all kinds of all kinds of changes and i did have support by that time i had friends and people who practice the same spiritual beliefs i have to support me but it was really after that point it was just such a makeover from before i was able to become more directed less impulsive more patient um l- better long-term goals uh, a tons more confidence in myself, 
um, a, a, a deeper spiritual connection. Um, everything just after that moment, I just started putting everything into gear. Now, do you feel like when you, when you, uh, put all these uh, things into place, right? Um, once that happened, do you feel like you, you got momentum going quickly and then just rode that and just kept riding that momentum or like, I know for myself, um, you know, I don't, I've never really, I don't think I've experienced depression, but I think I've, you know, I've experienced down times in my life, you know what I mean? But most of them were always self-inflicted. So, I mean, it was not like, it was no woe is me, you know, somebody, you know, screwed me over and now here, look at where I'm at. You know, it was never that. I always knew that, you know, yeah, it was, it's your dumbass fault while you're here, whether it was prison or, you know, I, I ended up homeless or almost homeless on somebody's couch. All these things were all, all because of me. Um, and so usually when I'm, when I'm down, I have a process that I go through, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be, you know, lazy and lethargic for the first couple of days and not want to do anything and be lazy. And then at some point I go, all right, well, let's start. All right. What do we got to do? All right. Well, first of all, let's start with where I'm at in the space that I, I, I occupy all the time. Let's clean that up. And then once I clean that up, then I go into, all right, well, let's go into the kitchen and see what I got going on there. And then all the junk food, everything else goes away and all, you know, healthy food comes in. Then I go from there and like, all right, well, goes to the gym. All right. I need to start working out and get back on track there. So it's all these little small goals that I, that I start setting for myself. And it's almost like resetting because I've had to do that plenty of times, but it's, it's the one thing that kind of like, okay, well, jump starts me back on track building those small victories in my life and then being able to go, okay, okay. And then I get some momentum and then bam, here we go. Podcast started. This is going, this is going. And you know, all that stuff that you're trying to put out there into the universe, it starts bouncing right back at you. Absolutely. So you're, you're, you're pretty much asking me one of my favorite questions when I have guests on my show, you know, how do you maintain all these changes? How do you maintain your momentum? How do you manage the day to day? How do you deal with the ups and downs of life? Because it's an, it's, that's an important because just because you have moved over into a, a happier space or a more spiritual space or a more confident space, that doesn't mean you're going to be happy all the time. You know, life still happens. So what I have, it's a lot of things I do. I mean, this is a lifestyle for me. So, so I'll just give you a few. Um, one, I definitely have a morning routine. Um, it's a morning routine that consists, sometimes it's journal writing. A lot of times what I found really helps me because sometimes, you know, in the past, you know, I could get a little anxious, a little, you know, whatever. So what really has helped me is meditation and silence therapy. And I can't tell you how much silence therapy helps me stay centered and calm and anchored to my soul when things happen that would normally or maybe in my past would have stressed me out and made me upset. Um, you know, I always do that. I have a nightly routine, which is pretty similar. Um, I do set small goal goals on the way to the larger goal. I always review, you know, each week, you know, you set a goal, you get to the end of the week, you review what you accomplished out of that goal with no judgment, of course, just say, okay, well, if I fall, fell short of what I wanted to do, then we'll start again next, you know, next week. Um, so I definitely do a lot of the things that you do. Um, to maintain myself, to keep me going, to keep me centered. Um, this, these are daily practices. This is a lifestyle I live. Also, um, when I first set this new system up, I cleaned out everything around me. So there are people who I stopped talking to. Um, there are people who I got closer to. Um, there are certain activities I stopped doing. There are certain things I stopped allowing in my space. Um, you know, I stuck more closely to my moral values so I can be proud of myself for staying true to who I am. I mean, this stuff is a lifestyle. So yeah, I got you. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a tough lifestyle. I mean, just like, you know, once you, you know, like I've lost weight before, you know, 35 pounds, I think I've put 10, 10 of it back on, but it's not, I mean, it, it's, it's so easy to get there, but it's the most difficult part is maintaining. 
You know, we can all have moments of, of where we sprint, you know, and, 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 and we're, we're doing our thing and, and, and we're, we're keeping up and we're, we're accomplishing our goals. But that long term is the tough one to figure out. Oh, oh yes, that definitely, because there are times, you know, that, you know, I've become, there are times I've become stationary, which is not, not good. I become stationary and procrastinative and things like that. Once I pick up that I'm doing that, then I start with the exercises again, as far as, all right, well, where is this coming from? Why am I, why did I become stationary? And I look to see what's under that and get under, okay, well, th- is this why? So then I work on the root problem. Um, if I'm feeling depressed and I'm feeling like I don't want to do nothing, I move, I do it anyway, because sometimes you have to act yourself into the mood instead of the other way around. You can't always wait till your moods match what you think you want to do. So if I know I have to do something and I really just don't want to get out of bed, I get out of bed anyway, because putting myself in action, the moods will follow. I'll start getting into it. Um, so, you know, I do practices, I do things like that. Right, really keep on top of myself like that. So you basically found hacks for yourself to to kind of trick your mind into in, into 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 movement. Absolutely, and there are times I ask myself prompting questions. Like if I'm if I notice that I've slowed down and I'm sitting around and I'm not really doing nothing, I ask myself, "What's the most productive thing I can do in this moment to move me forward?" In you know, blank. Ah, okay, okay, yeah. Because I have a lot of. I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty good at, at at figuring myself out. But the thing that I'm not good at is doing the things that I don't like doing. Like, so you know, like the the ten habits or whatever those habits are of highly highly successful people. One of them is 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 writing a list of goals or things you want to accomplish every day. Reading doing uh, other stuff, journaling, meditation, all this stuff, yoga, wh- whatever it is, man, I, I, those are the one things that I just sort of shy away from, you know, not that I can't do it, but they're just so time consuming that I'm like, God, I, I have so many other things that I want to do that I, I, I excuse my way out of, of doing the things that I know that would make me a more efficient thinker and an efficient, um, it, at everything that I do. You know, that's a good thing you're bringing up, a good point you're bringing up, because I think sometimes when we get into this um, self-help and all these new disciplines that all the gurus tell us about, uh, there are two things that are going on. Uh, One, we kind of look at it and go, oh, this is what I should do. So we kind of think of it as a mechanical thing. I got to meditate. I got to write a journal. So we kind of turn it into a mechanical thing instead of letting it flow naturally. I think that that happens. That's happened to me, too, where... If I read too much of what I'm supposed to do, they just become words and I just don't do it. Um, also, some of these things don't take as much investment as some people imagine. Like meditation doesn't really take a long time and you can meditate anywhere. You don't have to be sitting Indian style, you know, which underwear on going home. You can meditate anywhere. Um, <laughs> journal writing, you, you know what I'm saying? Like meditation... I Sorry, definitely man, I've come I across just, in my I, coaching. I got I, I you just you threw a picture in my head and I just like a swami floating in the air going whoom. That was funny. No, yeah, because <laughs> we we see all these things on TV about new age spirituality, which none of this stuff is new, but that's a whole other story. But um, you know, meditation doesn't take an hour. It doesn't take it doesn't even take twenty minutes. It can, but you can meditate. You know, let's say if you you know if you if you ride the bus, you can meditate on the bus. If you're waiting in traffic, it's a traffic jam, you do a, a two-minute meditation. So it's not that, you know, writing a journal could be as easy as writing a couple of notes down. You don't have to write anything specific. So I think sometimes we, based on how this is delivered through the media, we kind of overestimate the, the time it takes to do these things. Yeah, I think that the time that I that I put into making an excuse about it and and renting the space in my head to try to figure out how to get around it or not wanting to do it or beating myself up because I haven't done it, I probably could have done it in the time that it took me to to, to go through all of that. Yeah, 
Yeah. And, and maybe it will be good to use one of those things. Like when, when the idea of a journal comes to mind and you go, Oh God, I don't want to do this stuff. This stuff is going to take too much I'm a waste of time. I'm, instead of just doing that, just start writing. Don't give yourself a chance to go down that road too long. Yeah. So you build. So I, this is what I do for myself. Like I build cues for myself, things to, like you said, you know, maybe mind hacks, cues, things that keep me moving along a certain continuum. And also those prompting questions and those actions before uh, moods thing. So, but, but you have to do whatever resonates for you. If, if journal writing really doesn't resonate for you and you get helped by another way, then don't feel you have to journal write. I, I think it's great, but I'm also a believer of these things are toolbox. These things are tools and we use the things that are most effective for us. Yeah, I, I'm also the guy that wants to write a book, but can't ever seem to sit down and throw any ink on paper. So, <laughs> you know, and I wonder why my book isn't published yeah, right. yet. You, you wonder, hey, how come I don't have a book yet? Hey, 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 guy, where's my book? Yeah, I'm interviewing all these authors, and, and I just don't understand why they have books and I don't. <laughs> you know, it seems, it seems like they come up with these books overnight. But I have to spend 18 months writing it. Yeah. So um, you, uh, you're you doing the voices right now. So you've done a little bit of voice acting in your, uh, in your career or in your past? Yes. Um, I've been doing voice work since I've been a kid. Um, you know, after I went, like I said, when I was a kid, I went blind at 11 years old. You know, nobody would play with me. They don't want to be around the blind kid. So I had nothing to do but create things and get really into doing, you know, um, improv skit acting cassette tapes back then. Remember cassette tapes? Oh, yeah, I remember you know? those. And remember those? And, um, you know, eventually I took some improv classes and I started going to vocal school. And then I met somebody with a studio in, in their basement. So I started making albums. I really spent a lot of that time when I wasn't playing with peers <laughs> to, to create all this. And I've always wanted to be someone in the performing arts, you know? So um, I didn't want to be a singer or a actor. I just wanted to be in the performing arts. I just had to figure out where I fit. But um, yeah, but as of late, you know, ever since I've been in my career space, you know, I've done professional commercials. I've, you know, I do audio cartoons and, you know, I've, I've done stuff like that. I've been an MC in a lot of places. So yeah, I, I, I am a Toastmaster DTM. Toastmasters is a uh, public speaking and leadership organization. And I went through their whole program. And so I'm certified with them. I have a certified life coach uh, certificate from another school. So, um, you know, there, there's all those, uh, was, there's all that street cred. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I always wanted to uh, be a uh, like a public speaker, you know, talking about stuff in my lane. From you know, to I re I'm really uh, want to help the the uh, the convict people that have been to prison, uh, you know, addicts. I mean, I want to help everybody, but I mean, those are the you know, that's kind of where I came from, and that's you know, what what yeah, what brought me to to wanting to help others. You got to you got to go for what you know as they say. Yeah, well I mean, you know, a lot of guys they just don't uh, you know, they they don't have the self-esteem, they don't have the confidence, they don't have the the support group on the outside. And I think that's changing a lot, but I mean, god, you the amount of people that are in prison and how talented most of them are is crazy. Oh, uh, don't even I I definitely know what you mean. Um there's so much talent that's not being used out there. There's so many people with talent, you know, and, and even we need to show these prison documentaries. They actually show some of these uh, prisoners performing and they're, you know, they're good. You know, a lot of them are rapping and, and singing and stuff like that. And, it, you know, just in general, just in general, there are so many people that don't know their own worth, that don't know that they're talented. And when they do know they're talented, they don't have the oomph to make it work for them. Yeah, exactly. There's a uh, there's a podcast that came out of San Quentin. It's called Ear Hustle. Have you heard of it? No, I haven't. You should check it out. It's uh, a guy. So this guy and a and a lady. She's a visual artist. Um, she went in there and she was a volunteer, 
and then they they decided to do a podcast and you know they talk about different things that are in the prison and they use a lot of the prison sounds um in their their episode and the guy i guess they did it for i think t- three or four seasons and i think on on the third end of the third season the outgoing uh governor uh Jerry Brown uh commuted the the host's uh sentence so he still had i think you know a few years left to go but he commuted his sentence and and released him and now he's doing now they've replaced him with somebody else on the inside and and her doing that but he's also flipping it to um you know when people get out and kind of talking you know uh interviewing those people that have got out on parole and and different things that's pretty cool man it's a good story uh really good podcast the the um just all the different sounds that you hear i mean maybe it's because i know what those sounds sound like because it brings me back to when i was there but i mean i wasn't in san quentin but there's still the same sounds yeah well i interesting you met you mentioned the whole prison thing because i i used to watch the prison documentaries all the time and it's just I was just watching this thing. It's like, wow, wow, that's a whole lot. Because I was in a homeless shelter and, you know, people in the homeless shelter would go, oh, this is worse than prison. I'm like, well, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I've never been to prison, but I've been in a shelter and a shelter is, you know, not Hawaii by any stretch of the imagination. But those prison shows, I used to watch them all the time. And there was a lot of, like you said, a lot of talented people there just kind of doing their thing. But they're in prison. So... Yeah, that's a shame, man. I hope I hope things change. I hope uh, you know, a lot of people were were locked up for drugs on the war on drugs just to to fuel the uh prison industry. And you know, it's just it's crazy. Oh man, you know how much corruption was going on during the war of drugs and you you think you think like uh law enforcement had some things to work on now. You try going back 30 years during the height of the war on drugs, you the, the corruption was going on, the the false convictions, the I, you just don't even know. Well, and you I, probably do know. What am I talking about? Yeah, I I was you know I spent some time uh, in you know because I did federal time and I did some state time in Nevada, and uh, when I was doing you know fighting my federal case, I was you know in with a lot of different people, man, and and some of the stories that I was hearing and you know once I actually got to prison then I you know saw some of these other people. I mean it was it was crazy the the paths that I crossed with different people from different things that I, from before when I got in there and I was hearing, you know, like remember the the mongrels and the hell's angels had that thing down in Laughlin. I ended up uh, selled up with somebody in transportation when I was, you know, uh, going from one place to another with one of the guys that was involved in all of that. So, I mean, it's just crazy <laughs> the paths that you cross when you're, when you're in situations like that. So what else, what else you got? What else you got for me and for the listeners? <laughs> well, um, I mean, the part of the story that we didn't discuss and because See, doing these interviews is always interesting for me because I never know what to talk about. I definitely, you know, my business is definitely built on helping people build a core self-confidence, healthy self-esteem. You know, plus I have my uh, talent promotion business will help you promote your your album or your book and will help you start and manage your podcast, you know, all that business stuff. Um, but when it comes to my personal story, you know, there's so many things to talk about. Like we mentioned my blindness. I briefly mentioned me being adopted. And those things are kind of like, they're their own stories. And so sometimes it's, well, how much of my story do I say? Because I don't want to sound like I'm rambling and, and just going in all different directions. But all of it's part of it. Being blind is part of my experience. Being adopted and then finding my family as an adult has been part of my experience. You know, um, what was that? You like? know, the early parts of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was that like? See, the, adopt, the the whole adoption thing and everything surrounding that is a, that's oh man. Well, I don't even know where I should start with that. You know that that's. I mean, just exp- explain I'm, the feeling that that like I mean, you had to like even to get to the point where you you're you're looking for that family that you know what I mean that that you don't know but you know they're out there. You know, the whole process, how did you, how did, how did that come about? And then what, how were you feeling before you went to meet him? Were you nervous? Did you have butterflies? Did you not know how to, you know what I mean? What what was all that like? 
Oh, wow. Okay. Well, here, here, I consider myself very fortunate in this area that, you know, I, I was adopted. My mother, you know, was a teen mother, you know, on drugs, you know, typical story. Uh, my father was a big time drug dealer, big time in Harlem, you know, um, typical story. So due to some abuse, you know, my mother, she had abused me and my older brother. So the authorities took her, took us away from her. Um, and I was placed with an older couple. And what I liked is that no one ever lied to me. Um, everyone told me what was going on with me. They, I knew that I was in foster care. You know, I knew that I was being adopted. You know, I knew that I had an older brother that was separated from me. We went to different homes. I knew all of that. And um, I actually have memories of accepting my adopted last name, which I no longer use. And, you know, I remember everything. And I always wanted to find my brother. I knew I had an older brother. I didn't, that's all I knew. And they told me I was around him when I was, you know, six, seven. He came to a birthday party of mine. I don't remember that at all. He does, but I don't remember that. So I always wanted to find my brother. Always, always, always. And this has been a, a dream of mine since I was like 15 years old. And people used to tell me, oh, you should write Oprah. Okay. All right. I don't know. Um, as I got older, it never left my mind. Like, and then in the early thousands, I filled out some kind of paper. I don't even know what that was, but I really didn't make any progress in finding my family until I became a teen mentor. When I went into the mentoring system and started mentoring young teen boys from inner cities who were already in foster care. So it's when I started doing that work, I met, I ran into a uh, private investigator and she was literally finding people's families, taking coach, taking the mentors who were adopted and literally just finding their families for them. So I said, yo, basically, yo, can you hook me up? And she did. She actually went out and found, found my older brother. He was the first person. I wasn't nervous at all. I mean, I, this was this dream come true for me. Um, I thought it was great. And, you know, I, spoke to him and we we do have a very strong bond even from when we were both kids before I can remember anything um and then we were apart for all those decades and then when we got reunited it was just oh okay it's it's you <laughs> um finding the finding the rest of my family go ahead you want to comment on that no no i, I just chuckled cuz it sounded that was you 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 made me laugh Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it was just because I had known the most about him and I used to ask the most about him. And I was given the information that, you know, that my adopted family had, I suppose. It, it's when I found the rest of my family that was more luck. So there's this board you mentioned 23andMe at the top of the show. Um, and so that's similar to kind of I didn't do 23andMe, but I went on this ancestral website. Um, and I made a couple of board posts looking for my Sumlin family, blah, 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 you know, and it took three years before someone got back to me who looked, who, from what she was telling me, she was my cousin. So, you know, we changed numbers. I mean, there you were, she was my cousin. So three years after I put a message on an ancestry board under the, under the, um, Sumlin, uh, message, you know, whatever tab, um, then, you know, my uh, someone who was looking through that board contacted me and turned out to be my cousin. And of course, she, of course, introduced me to the rest of the family. And I was not nervous at all. It just, this is, this is what I wanted. You know, everything lined up for me. There was no, there was no nervousness about it at all for me. That's cool, man. That's a great story. It's, uh, yeah, you never know who's going to be looking at those boards. I mean, you just set it and forget it. And next thing you know, bam, the universe answered you. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It turns out to be because when I, when I first got on those boards at that time, unbeknownst to me, my sister, my younger sister, who I didn't really know, who I didn't really know much about at that time had already left messages on that board. But, you know, I only found that out years later because I didn't scroll down far enough. <laughs> and years later, she had told me, yeah, I left a message on that book, but it turns out that when I was looking, I didn't scroll down far enough. So pretty much, and also, <laughs> here's another twist. My foster son was going to a school where my uncle was, and I didn't know he was my uncle until later on. So, I mean, basically, my family was all around me because I 
was born here and I was raised here and just didn't know it until I actually, you know, made all the contacts. Wow, that's crazy. All right, well, we're 50 minutes in, so this is the point where I'm going to ask you uh, two questions. Uh, one is, what is your favorite book um, that has helped you to uh, advance in your journey? My favorite book that's helped me along my journey, there's so many, but I will say The Seat of the Soul. And that book really helped me get more firm and anchored in my holistic spiritual perspective. So that would be my favorite book. If you're talking about what, what really set, what really helped me set my path. Great. Great. I'll have to throw that in the show notes. And the second part of that question is two podcasts that you listen to currently that uh, either motivate you or, you know, get you, get you going and, and want to, keep putting one foot in front of the other? Well, when it comes to podcasts, um, I listen to podcasts that are related to my career and job stuff. I get a lot of, you know, inspiration and one foot in front of the other from books and articles. And I'm part of all kind of lists. Um, but when it comes to podcasts, I listen to stuff related to um, like my career. Like one of the podcasts I listen to the most is, um, is, is, is based on the, the business of public speaking. I'm a big fan of that. But here's some, another podcast I listen to is called The Distilled Man. It talks a lot about, you know, manhood and the importance of this and that as it relates to manhood. Um, so there's another one, the, uh, the men's round table. I mean, I do listen to a lot of men's development, uh, podcasts as well, but also a lot of times it's career based as well, like the speaking one. Yeah, I think it's really important for for men to start paying attention to um, everything about themselves uh, because we've been fed a bill of goods that is no longer any good. You know, some of our old right. ideals and, and the old ways of doing things are null and void now because we're living in a completely different time. You know, the world is evolving and, you know... Uh, it's evolving so fast that we have to actually work to keep up with it. And by going to these different, uh, you know, podcasts or books or whatever it is, you know, whatever medium or content that you're out there um, consuming, trying to, you know, make it so you have better relationships with the people around you, your communication is better with, with your loved ones. Um, if you're having issues with relationships, whether it's being monogamous or, you know, how you treat the opposite sex, um, you know, a lot of these things and these uh, loops were created when we were younger and how we, you know, grew up and what we saw in our own homes. And so if we're not taking, you know, really good care in trying to evaluate our lives. And, you know, I used to do this just on a, on a failed relationship basis where I would go, okay, well, you know, time to, uh, let, let's get back to the drawing board and see what the problem is. But you know what? It has to go further than that. You can't just do it once in a while. It's not like you're jump starting a car. It's a continual thing, man. It's a the thing that you have to reflect upon every day. When you come home at the end of the day, you're, you know, and you're getting ready to go to bed, you reflect back on the end of the day and say, Hey man, you know, was I a good person today? Was I, you know, did I take care of everything that I needed to do? Um, you know, where did I, where did I fall short? Uh, how could I have been a better person? Could I have been more polite? Could I have not been as mean? Can I, you know what I mean? There's all kinds of things that you, that we need to be paying attention to, to be the best people that we possibly can. God, that was long. <laughs> but I definitely agree with you that we need your, your maintenance, oh, manly maintenance, whatever you want to call it, just to make a cute M string, whatever. We definitely need, to listen to these podcasts on a regular basis, ones that we like, or read the articles, be part of these blogs, and really just get to know ourselves as men, as people, how we can improve. Because the journey never ends. Like We're never at the end of change. We're never at the end of growth. But the important thing, I think, is to just keep growing. Yeah, exactly, man. Just keep growing because it's a constant thing. I, I really want to 
start encouraging other men out there to, you know, hey, get together with your your neighborhood or find a community where you can get together with other men. You know, not necessarily they have to be your friends, but I mean, I know as the older I get, it's really difficult to to go out and find new friends because everything, you know, everybody's busy, everybody's doing something. If they got a family, you know what I mean? It's it's hard to make time to oh. to do that, but I mean it's something that you need to do. Men need to mm. to to come together and be able to vent and talk to each other and 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 get through situations together. I I agree so much and and you you're you're hitting on something that a lot of men want. A lot of men want more male friends. They they want it. It's a there's a big need out there. But like you said, there's a everyone's busy and there's a lot of other things that come into play. So you gotta put effort into it. And the you know, the men that I uh, that I communicate with, um, I'm definitely grateful for their friendship and we put effort into it. Even if they're the more structured type where, hey, we know we speak at a certain time on every Sunday. You know, it's just making that ex that 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 time um, when you can to speak to one another, to check in with one another, to vent, to help each other move forward. It that stuff is is, is real critical, and a lot of men they know they want it, but they just haven't figured out how to squeeze it in yet. And it's tough. It is tough. Yeah, I wonder if there's a way that you could do that, like on one of the on a Zoom group chat or or a group uh, uh, conference type of thing where you could get like 10 guys, you know, I don't know. There's got to be some way. Well, you know, that's interesting. Yeah. There's got to be some way because, you know, I've gone to men's groups, you know, in person and I've seen men's groups online and it just, you know, for me, it just seems like ever since I moved further into this man space, everything is so structured. And like, if there's a men's group, they're usually having some structured, uh, thing like they don't they don't just get together and talk and i'm just wondering like where how do you get men together like what would be the point because sometimes it's a structure but how do you get men to get together just hey let's talk and let's express ourselves with each other we don't necessarily have to have a format yeah i'm not for i'm i i cast conformity all the time I don't like I don't like the constructs that that we have to operate in. I you know I feel like just those were made. I mean everything is outdated. One of the best men's groups I went to was just it was no structure. There was no like because one of the men's groups I went to it was very structured, very ritualized. You had to do this and that every time. You had to do ten push-ups. You had to do you had to go through all of these different things to be part of this and I just that just wasn't the one for, I think it works for some people but it didn't work for me so I said that to I guess one of the organizers and they said they sent me to somewhere else and actually I liked that group better um, it was just a there was just a couple of men around there just talking and they were talking about what they were doing and they were challenging each other's plans and they were checking each other challenging each other there was no structure just a bunch of men talking and challenging each other and pushing back on each other. And that actually is one of the keys that really like motivated me that, that men's group, you know, I only went one time, but that motivated me and like to be challenged and be pushed back and be spoken to <laughs> in a certain way that I'm not normally accustomed to be spoken to. It's like, what, you know, but it was, it was energizing. I, I, I enjoyed that one. And so I think stuff like that, at least for me, would be helpful and probably for a lot of other men too. Because we don't always need to have, you know, ritualistic kind of, you know, traditional kind of robotic things we do every meeting. Yeah, I just, something just sparked my, when you when you were talking there, I started thinking about something. Um, how about a podcast? Like, like you, you, you find a, you know, a topic that like it's a mindset or, you know, maybe something Sam Harris or Jordan Peterson or, and those are the two that come to the top of my head because those are the ones that are like lodged in there forever. Um, but something like that. And then you take an episode and everybody listens to it and then we come and come together and you talk about it. All right. Well, what'd you get out of that? Because everybody's going to get something completely different out of it. And it kind of, then starts the conversation and gets the the thinking going about okay well yeah you know there's all kinds of different perspectives on just this one thing 
That's a great idea. That's a great idea. You just just um, get men of like minds um, together, at least at least similar, because I think there's such a range of approaches um, for men. Some people prefer the more religious approach. Some people prefer a non-religious approach. So I think it's it would be helpful maybe to get people who can understand the same things, you know, because I'm I don't understand a traditional religious approach. I have a different approach. So, you know, I think we would tailor it to the kind of men we want to be involved. Is, is that good, or should we challenge people and bring them out of their comfort zone? You know. Well, I think the I think the beginning of it would be you know you start everything with the basis of hey who thinks this is a good idea. If you do and you're of the like mind, you know, why don't you, uh, you know, either join my Facebook group and we can meet there or figure out something. But yeah, this is something I think I'm going to, sure. going to take on and, and see how I can further do this because I definitely, I mean, I, I have friends, but ever since I went to prison, I don't, I, you know, my, my friend list is really small. You know what I mean? I got a lot of people that I'm, I'm, I'm acquaintances. And people that I talk to, you know, work related or, you know, through the podcast or, or, or whatnot. But I mean, like actual friends, friends, like someone that I can call at midnight if I'm in trouble and, and come get me is probably uh, one hand. Mm, okay. So, you know. well, I mean, if you, if you start this commentary on a podcast topic, we all listen to it and then we all get together and just hash it out. I mean, I'd be down with that. That'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah, it sure would. I'm going to. Yeah, so if you're out there listening to this and, and you're a man and you uh, want to commune and talk with other men about certain topics, uh, yeah, hit me a email at nowhere to go but up now at gmail.com and, or you can just go to Facebook and uh, ask to join the nowhere to go but up podcast Facebook group. There's a good place to go. And then we'll see what happens. There you go. All right, so we're at the Absolutely. point. Yeah, yeah, we're at the point now. We're about an hour or two. Uh, why don't you go ahead and plug everything you need to plug in that that uh, you're going to want to appear on your uh, on the show notes? Okay, no problem. Well, first, listen to the Core Confidence Life podcast. You can find that on Apple Podcast and anywhere you find. Um, your podcast, as well as the website, coreconfidencelife.com. If you are an author or a uh, someone who aspires to have a podcast or a singer, contact me because we help promote your products and help you launch your podcast and we'll be your editor and your manager and so on. And so coreconfidencelife.com is where you get all that information. Also, we have a radio station, 195 The Globe. It has music and talk, and you can hear podcasts on there. A lot of your favorite music can, is on there. So we, prom we promote our authors and artists on there as well. So take a listen to 195theglobe.com. Um, yeah, that's probably it. All right, great, Dennis, man. I want to thank you again for being a guest on my show. You got a lot of good information out there. And guys, if you're interested in life coaching or, you know, you're having issues with confidence and trying to figure out who you are and to be the best possible guy that you can be out there, take a look at what Dennis has to offer. And I guarantee you, he will not steer you wrong. Well, I appreciate that. No problem. Great to man. be here. Yeah, and uh, I'll let you know, uh, you know, when this episode is going to come out. It's probably going to be uh, about eight weeks right now is the uh, the queue. So, but yeah. I will I will definitely contact you uh, before that so I can get uh, all your links and stuff for the show notes to make sure that I don't get them wrong. Um, but yeah, I appreciate everything, man, and thank you for being a great guest. Oh, no problem. It was fun. All right, Dennis. Talk to you later. All right. Thank you for listening to the show, and thank you to Dennis, man. I really appreciate you sharing your story. Uh, it was a good one, man. And also, if you're a guy out there and you listen to what we were talking about, about you know maybe having starting a group or or finding some way for you know men to connect online or whatever it is, you know I think it's really important. You know, there's there's things that I would like to talk about and get off my chest uh, in a in a group of, of like-minded men, uh, and, and toss some ideas around. Uh, I I'm definitely open to that. 
So if you are a guy out there and you're listening and you are interested, uh, hit me up on Instagram at nowhere to go but up now or email me at nowhere to go but up now at gmail.com. And uh, so we can get this thing rolling. We can either do it on Zoom or uh, I can figure out something, but I just need to have the interest so we can get it started. Uh, yeah. And uh, anything else out there, you know, you want to be a guest on the show, if you're interested in telling your story of bottoms and uh, or your life struggle, you know, men, women, whatever, uh, like I said, you can hit me up on Instagram at nowhere to go but up now, or you can email me at nowhere to go but up now at gmail.com. Until next time, keep it 100, stay true to yourself, everything else is just noise.